This is Off the Red Carpet with George Pinocchio, sponsored by Mercedes-Benz. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Off the Red Carpet. I'm George Pinocchio, and today we have with us a woman who is considered one of the premier comedians of her time. She also got into a little bit of trouble, and we're going to talk a lot about that. And joining her is her tour manager, Randy Bick. Randy Bick. So Hello. now you heard the voice. <laughs> it's right. Kathy Griffin, and she's here because she's got a new movie called Kathy Griffin, A Hell of a Story. It's going to be in theaters for one night only. We're going to get to all of that in a moment, but first, Kathy, let's start from the beginning. Yes. You had this great career. You've had all these specials. The Emmys, the Grammy, Guinness Book of World Records for more stand-up <laughs> televised specials than any comedian, male or female. Go ahead, George. And then you take a photograph of oh, a... Boy. It involved a mask of President Trump and yeah. some ketchup, and it changed your life in a very dramatic and not good way. No, and in very rapidly. You know, so the photo... The photographer gave it to TMZ. I don't know why. You know, I thought it was going to be maybe in some, like, European artsy magazine or something. And... Then it was put into what I lovingly call the Trump wood chipper, and it was turned into a meme within hours. And in the documentary, part of the docu-comedy, Kathy Griffin, A Hell of a Story, we show, and I didn't even know this till I was helping edit the film, that it was in international newspapers that very day, and they had turned it into a meme. And then a lot of people started making cartoons of me holding the mask, which they made it look like an actual head, dressed as a member of ISIS, and so then all of a sudden on like, you know, Fox News and stuff, they're saying Kathy Griffin has joined ISIS and decapitated Donald Trump's head, to which I say, well, I don't know how that would work logistically, where I fly to the White House, sneak in, cut his head off, go back to Bel Air, take the picture, then go back to the White House and sew his head back on. But, you know, people jump to conclusions and I paid the price and they put me immediately under a federal investigation. It's in the first time in the history of this country has a sitting United States president used the Oval Office and the Department of Justice. I was investigated without any questions asked, no phone call by the uh, Secret Service and the U.S. Attorney's Office. And I was on the no-fly list for two months. And I was then interrogated under oath. And I was exonerated, luckily. And they were considering charging me with conspiracy to assassinate the president of the United States, which holds a lifetime sentence. So when I was finally allowed to go tour overseas, I'm not crazy. I played overseas first. Um, mm. I was then on the Interpol list, and I was detained at every airport. So this movie has um, the first third of it details kind of the sort of rough parts, this sort of raw, raw, low-res parts. And then the second two-thirds are really a comedy concert. But I do tell the whole story. And Randy Bick was with you the whole time. Yes, my boyfriend and tour, tour manager. manager. And you're, you're touring 18 countries. And along the way, there was one point in the movie I know that someone threw a bottle of ketchup on stage at Kathy yeah it was actually the first show in Auckland New Zealand so the first stop of the tour we have an incident in the crowd where a Trump supporting New Zealander came in and threw a bottle at Kathy on stage and it nearly hit her head but she, being the performer she is she continued on and it was very scary right off the bat I didn't even know what it was I heard this whisk and I'm so naive, I thought it was flowers. I was like, oh, my fans, they love me so much, George. They can't wait to flow, to throw a daisy. And then later on, I'm thinking, if that thing hit me on the head, I'd be dead right now. Wow. So, yeah, so there were, there were many incidents on the tour, and Randy actually did a great job. And we would have meetings with security, and I would attend the security meetings. So they would see me as a human being, you know, because usually Randy does that. But this was such a unique situation, and you never know who was going to show up with, like, a Trump-Pence banner or who was 
like one guy had a GoFundMe to get tickets for him to come to my Philadelphia show and disrupt it. And he started yelling from row two that I'm a pedophile. What? I think that's Jeffrey Epstein, last time I checked. But anyway, so, you know, I had to become sort of familiar with all these these bizarre groups and, like, the QAnon theories and, and the neo-Nazis on YouTube. And I didn't even know what um, 4chan was, much less 8chan. Is there a 32chan? I don't even know what... It, well, I, it's some sort of message board, and then I had to learn about wow. Reddit and Gab and... And it was just off and running. So you're learning along the way, but there are some scary times. And I'm wondering, as you can smile now about all this as time has passed, but Randy, were you talking her off the ledge sometimes from just the sheer fear of it all? Yeah, I mean, all of the backstage stuff and and just prepping for each show because we'd have an incident and have to go to the next city and then she'd have to be funny and on stage for three hours. It was very interesting to see every city. There was either a protest or in Houston, a, a, a guy outside pulled a knife. Uh, and so dealing with these incidents and then trying to be funny was really difficult. And obviously the audience's safety comes first. So I personally started taking on the shows myself. And I also learned how to promote my own shows because I think I kind of scared a lot of Hollywood people. Like my agents got scared and I, I don't blame them. It's a big deal. And, you know, Live Nation. And so as the tour went on, Randy and I learned how to promote our own shows and learned how to hire everything from, you know, the concessions to the ushers and also the metal detectors and the wands and all that stuff, unfortunately, became necessary in today's comedy world. This was a like a finger snap and you put this picture up your comedy tour is canceled oh, yeah. cnn dumps you from the new year's eve show you've done for years with anderson cooper right. what else bad happened i mean i lost my entire career in 12 hours i was in the middle of a 50 city tour um and since you know i worked at bravo and i got canned from bravo for two years i've been making my living touring so to put someone like me on the no fly list basically means okay it really limits obviously how much I could work and make a living. And also, I just personally don't think, regardless of your party affiliation, the president shouldn't be allowed to make you unemployable or uninsurable when you really haven't done anything. So one of the reasons I wanted to make this film was to really walk the audience through, I did not break the law. You can be as offended as you want. That doesn't bother me one bit. You know, that's, that's what's great about America. But I didn't do anything outside the parameters of the First Amendment. I didn't do anything illegal. And if there's one thing I know, it's that First Amendment. I know it wall to wall. It's been my commodity for decades. If you weren't an A student in high school in social studies, you would be now. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm considering becoming like a lawyer, or um, I could be like a uh, uh, um, Aaron Brockovich on scandal. Okay, good. Aaron Brockovich, I love it. Yes. Well, I gotta have a plan B. Who knows what's gonna happen? Social but justice warrior. Social justice basically. warrior. But hopefully, people will see this film. And it's also, um, I mean, I'm so thrilled. It's gonna. It's playing in 700 theaters across the United States, red cities, blue cities, purple cities. And I'm so honored and flattered that people are, you know, texting me. I have a text service now and an email service, and they let me know I'm, I'm gonna go see your film, whether it's my small town or a big city, and. Mostly, I think people are going to walk away laughing, but there's a few jaw-dropping moments. And it'll be here in Los Angeles somewhere. I know it all, they always are, all those Fathom events, but there's something that is a bonus with these films, because normally we go to a movie, and the credits start and we leave. Yeah. After the credits, suddenly you'll come up on these screens, right. and you'll be doing live Q&A with the people in these theaters? It's really great. They have a system at Fathom Events where they live stream to only to the, it won't be online, to the theaters that where they're showing the film. And so I'm going to do um, about a 20-minute 
minute Q&A with a great First Amendment attorney from here in Los Angeles from Gibson Dunn named Ted Boutros. And he's just so schooled on the First Amendment that he can do the heavy lifting about that part. And I can just be funny and adorable. But I know that he'll <laughs> have the right questions. And, you know, we'll have questions from all over the country, which I think is great. And I also got into three film festivals. So I'm really honored. I'm doing one in New York called 51 Fest, and it's headed up by Tina Brown. And I'm going to do Outfest, so you can come see it at, at the Ford Theater, the gorgeous Under the Stars, Scandal Under the Stars, as I like to call it, <laughs> and also the Traverse City Film Festival that Michael Moore does on August 1st. So I'm really trying to get the word out there, because honestly, I just don't want this to happen to anybody else. You know, if you broke the law, that's one thing. You know, if you obviously, if you actually tried to injure someone, that's another thing. But really, if you have a 13-year-old kid and they put this picture up on Twitter, they should not have to have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on legal fees and been interrogated under oath by two federal agencies. So this was May 31st, was it, 2017? May 30th, 2017. Okay. Now, Randy, we're two years past that point now. Can you tell me the difference Kathy is today versus what she was like when all of this was in the heat of the battle well i i can say right after the photo of uh, just a barrage of just negativity whether it's we had incoming death threats at the house and uh, it was really hard for both her and i we were lost friends we lost family members we lost a lot of support and uh, well, it went out of their way also to call both of us and yeah. just kind of call us to Distance the carpet themselves at and the stuff same like time, that the fbi is coming over to say you know miss griffin we have what we deemed to be credible threats and they would let us know. And then, you know, we got so much actual mail and like the old timey mail that we had to separate it into three categories. I've had to learn all this stuff. I could be an FBI agent as well. So go ahead, Randy. I was just going to say, but now she's stronger than ever. Her fan base is actually broadened to a global audience where, you know, hundreds of thousands of people saw her. She's uh, had a more broad fan base, whether it's resistors or people of a younger demographic and things like that. So I have noticed um, her fan base is just widened and she's strong. She's going to continue to be strong. And uh, I'm very proud of her for this film. I think people need to know this. I kind of think right now the FBI has your back. I do. Because Me too. two plus years later, and they still knock on your yes. door to let you know that there is trouble afoot. Yeah, they came over the very day that I filmed the concert portion of the film. And they woke me up and did a no-knock raid, which means that's the most serious level of threat. And they said to both, you know, Mr. Bick, and they said, Miss Griffin, you're under what is called a credible threat. And I said, well, I have a performance this evening. So that may not be a coincidence. Is there anything you can tell me? And they said, can you open your mailbox from 10 feet away? And I laugh about it now because I'm picturing the you know old lady on the as seen on TV where she's got the grabber. Yep. So I, I want to get like two of those and MacGyver them and just, you know, just maybe like, so you may see me just randomly in a cul-de-sac somewhere with several grabbers tied to each other trying to open my mailbox. But, you know, you got to just live your life. And we indeed are vigilant. And I've had security like you can't imagine. And it's, like I said, I, I just think it shouldn't happen unless someone has actually, you know, broken the law, genuinely threatened someone, put someone's life in danger. So part of the message is, like, kind of walking people through the parameters, you know. And also, as a comic, you know, I think it's important to have all kinds of comedians. I think it's great that there are comedians that never curse and comedians that use props and comedians that make political statements and comedians that never talk about anything political. But this is a situation that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And, in fact, uh, Jim Carrey called me that day, which was really special because I, I don't really know him very well. And he said, he gave me great advice. He said, 
said, today you're the most famous comedian in the world. And I just started crying because <laughs> I thought <laughs> for the wrong reasons. And then he said, you know, take time, process this, put it through your Kathy Griffin comedy prism. I'll never forget that phrase. And he said, get out there and tell the story. So I did a world tour. Um, it grossed $4.4 million and um, went to countries that I never would have been able to play, believe it or not, without this crazy picture. Mm-hmm. And yet there were incidents along the way, but it was worth it. So hopefully people see this film and respond to it. And maybe I can get back to touring. Maybe I can get back on a TV show. You know, I just love to work and make people laugh. Didn't Cat Williams also contact you? Cat Williams called me and he had a great piece of advice. He said, get out a, a piece of paper and a pen and write down the people who called with nothing but support today. And at the end of the day, you'll have a list of your real friends. And at the end of the day, there were three names. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure that's grown over the course of time. Well, you know, oh, I, I will say one thing that's nice is I do, I, you know, in addition to people that still think I'm a member of ISIS, because they're recruiting a lot of 58-year-old red-haired comedians. I mean, that's really their number one demo. But anyway, it is nice to finally have people kind of actually come up to me and say, hey, I was one of those people that really had a big reaction that day. And now in retrospect, it really seems quite harmless. And then I have to explain to them, well, I don't really blame you. You know, there was sort of a whole apparatus in place to amplify it and make it go worldwide. I mean, it was in the Russian papers, the Chinese papers, the Arabic papers. Um, and this and this documentary does answer all those questions that people have. Like it does show real raw footage and how her and I dealt with it in real time. So it will answer a lot of questions that people have that she's trying to uh, get the message out. Yeah. So these Q and A should be interesting. What have you learned, both of you, about forgiveness? I've, I've learned the best thing you can do is try to show people that they didn't get you down. You know, I don't mind if people saw me weepy or weak or anything, but I think the most important message for me is for younger women, younger people of color, younger LGBT folks to, you know, long after I've kicked the bucket, say, you know what? They didn't get that redhead down. She got back up. You know, I mean, I'm not saying I'm the biggest star in the world, but if I can just get back to working again, then that's the most powerful message I think I can pass along. And that's what's the most important to me. Has it been nice, Randy, to hear people come up to you and say um, something positive after some of the negativity that went on? Absolutely. And I think just to touch upon your question again, yeah, just not having a knee-jerk reaction to things because a lot of times people are very quick to judge right away. I think we take a beat, we process things, make sure we have everything valid, and then go ahead and um, you know talk about situations because it is an ongoing issue. Um, so, but yeah, I think that's important thing that I learned. Let's talk about the docu comedy and the comedy portion right now of this documentary called Kathy Griffin, a hell of a story, because I noticed by watching some of the scenes when you're on stage in these foreign countries, I don't know. It's like you've been exercising your life off. You're running all over the stage and addressed and having fun. And Honey, it's like I did every show like it was my last. I mean, honestly, I just thought, who knows if I'm going to get detained here and stay here forever. So, you know, what's funny is the tour started as me. I don't have an opener. I just, you know, I write all my own material. I love it doing it. And the show started at two hours and the show ballooned to three hours and 40 minutes sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, I would just do silly things like I was lucky enough to sell out Carnegie Hall in one night. So the very next night I played Radio City and once again this is one of those things where I'm hoping that some younger person will be like oh I don't think anyone's ever done that that's interesting she went through hell and high water and yet still played Carnegie and Radio City in the same week so I just am kind of on a mission to show this can be done you want to resist you know in my case with humor 
But, you know, if something like this happened, it's okay to speak out about it and be honest. Right. So you write all your own jokes. Are there moments where you write these really edgy jokes and now you turn to Randy and say, I don't know, should I do this one? Of course. I bounce my material off everybody. Yeah. I might be doing my act right now, George. I'm not, I'm not telling you. She's always working the room and seeing an incident that pops up that can make it funny. For example, we were at the Sydney Opera House and about 20 minutes into the set, the sound system of the opera house completely malfunctioned. They'd never had that experience before. Wow. And there was a ringing in the room. And she's like, I got to entertain 2,000 people. So she jumps off stage and starts taking selfies with everybody and like having fun and says, please wait, please wait. And they all waited. So she takes moments that are realistic and goes, I'm just going to have fun with the moment and go with it. Yeah. I mean, you definitely learn to live in the moment when you've been through something like this. And I thought, I am not stopping my Sydney Opera House show. This is an honor and I love it. And, you know, people like selfies. What can I tell you? And nobody left. I was very proud of that. I know that when I saw this initial event, this photo, I saw it as a comedian taking a stand yeah. or getting a reaction. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it caused such a visceral reaction? I think the Trump would chipper just went into action. I mean, we all know that Harvey Levin and TMZ, they have a very close relationship. The Daily Beast did an interview with Harvey Levin where he said he considers himself to be Trump's personal publicist. Um, we know that Trump has had a long-standing relationship with AMI and Dylan Howard and David Pecker. And when they flipped for Mueller, I mean, I was just by myself at home going, yeah, because I was wondering, why are there all these hit pieces on me in The Inquirer and OK and Life and Style? And, you know, um, they made a big acquisition after allegedly some Saudi money. So they weren't just the Inquirer anymore. They were men's fitness. And a lot of the weeklies that, unfortunately, people in Hollywood think are the newspaper. So it's actually been a whole education throughout the process. And that's why I'm kind of glad we took a little bit of time to tell the story, because there's still start parts that could be unfolding for all I know. Before we recorded, you used the word with me, exonerated. Yeah. And that's a very powerful word, it Kathy. It felt good. It felt good. I mean, to be on the no-fly list and um, to have the feds calling my First Amendment attorney, uh, uh, Alan Isaacman at that time was my First Amendment attorney, who's very good. And he won the Supreme, uh, the uh, landmark Supreme Court case, Jerry Falwell versus Hustler Magazine. So my joke is, if he can get Larry Flint off, I should be okay. <laughs> and so, uh, but you know, the feds were calling every single day and they wanted me to go downtown and do a perp walk in a jumpsuit. And so it cost a lot of time and money to have him negotiate with the U.S. Attorney's Office to say, you know, that's not appropriate. And we know the White House may want this video. But I just, once again, I just thought, you know, my, my mentor was Joan Rivers. And like I said, I'm 58. And I thought, I can't let a younger person see me doing a perp walk. I didn't do anything wrong. If I did, I would. If I had broken the law, then I would pay the price. But I thought, no, 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 this is not going to be a good visual for people to think. And I also didn't want to scare anybody else, right, into thinking, oh, gosh, I'm, an, I'm a starting out comic or, or I'm just somebody who works in an office. And if I say the wrong thing, I'm in a jumpsuit? I don't think so. So that was one of, one of the areas where I got very defiant. Sometimes do you think that it will only take one, just like there was one picture that caused this ripple effect, that yeah. one really great thing could start have you rippling upward? So, you know, I, um, I kind of I kind of live by the motto that your whole life can change in one phone call. I mean, I've lived it. You know, I was on that show Suddenly Susan in the 90s, and I went from being an out-of-work actress to all of a sudden the following Monday I was at a table read with Brooke Shields, and the show was on for four years. So I have lived it. And so I like to stay optimistic and think your life can change with one phone call. And at the very least, I want to be able to make a living, you know. And like I said, I don't think the president should make anybody, you know, in a position where they can't make a living or, or be insurable. You know, I don't want 
want to scare off these executives thinking, oh my gosh, Kathy Griffin's in ISIS. I mean, first of all, you got, you got to laugh at this point. I mean, it's taken me okay, a while. I do. You got picturing me like on the jungle gym and the training. I mean, that's too early, George. I can't get up that early. I could break a hip at my age being in ISIS. I just can't afford to do it. So you, I find the comedy wherever I can. Randy, is, is there ever a time where she does not make you laugh? All the time. I mean, she's whether we're watching a silly show on television or playing with the dogs or just going out uh, on a date, uh, she's always going to do something to make me laugh. And that's what I love about her is that she's just constantly trying to find a way in any situation, good, bad, or indifferent, just to make people laugh. And she makes me laugh constantly. One thing I don't think we heard a lot about when all this was going on, and I don't know, maybe I missed it, but the fact that Donald Trump had hired you in the past to work for him. Oh, yeah. I've known the Donald for 25 years. I mean, when I was, you know, at Bravo and NBC Uni, which was my where I worked for many, many years, I would run into him. This guy would show up at the opening of an envelope. So I would run into him at TCAs and upfronts and all those sort of things. And then I would see him at charity events. I mean, I remember one time I was at some kind of a roast for Larry King, and I was next to him for four hours. I'll never get back. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, just, I just didn't think he was – this level of what he's become like honestly when he was sort of running around doing the apprentice and stuff and even prior to that i just thought he was like this kind of harmless like realtor like the type of guys on million dollar listing with a lot of orange paint i mean i couldn't figure out the orange thing but i did i had no idea that he would actually win the election or however he won it but um you know it's just funny that he acted so shocked and appalled when he knows exactly what i'm about and we've met many times and you know i mean it's so funny because the trumpers like sometimes they'll flood my timeline with a picture of myself and the Donald. And I'll go, well, yeah, everybody kind of knew him. Everybody sort of ran into him in one way or another. He'd practically walk down Fifth Avenue with a sandwich board. So, you know, it was kind of <laughs> hard to miss him. So those those don't frighten me. But, um, you know, it is kind of odd when I see a picture. Like uh, one one time I was doing a gig at, for him at his one of his uh, golf courses, which I think the taxpayers now pay for. I'm not sure. It might be ours. It might be ours. <laughs> but, you know, it's his, his arm around me, and people love to tease me about that. I'm like, what can I say? You know, I was the comic. Liza Minnelli was the singer. I'll never forget that night. And, you know, you do a gig and you take pictures with the people. And, you know, sometimes they come back to haunt you. Well, I think that the fact that you are out there right now and constantly pursuing, because people know who you are. They like that you make them laugh. Have you turned a lot of the people who were originally, do you think, the public folks that were against what you had done now understand and have come to your aid or maybe just one or two tweets that feel good to read right i mean a few a few but you know honestly it's a process i mean in all the decades i've been doing comedy i have never seen a president have a base like this i mean they really like i said the stuff that they believe and i didn't even know this but apparently there's this QAnon group and they think that jfk jr is going to come back from the dead and be trump's next vice president so when you're uh. dealing with that level it's kind of hard to go i'm a comedian relax I'm just making jokes, but um, slowly people are coming back, and I think the film will serve that purpose in a big way. So, who's ever interested, you know, they can go see the film and make up their own minds, and hopefully laugh more than anything. And let's go beyond the film. Okay. First, let's talk about the film. You can all see it when July 31st, and you go to fathomevents.com, put my name in the search engine and your zip code, and the theaters around you will pop up. And 
we may see more of this film because you're entering it in different places where more people get to see it. Three more film festivals. Um, my last one will be August 1st, and then hopefully we'll get a nice digital distribution deal. And honestly, I would like it to be seen globally because when I was doing my tour overseas, everywhere I went, I mean, I'm sure you know if, when you travel overseas, they just hear your American accent. And whether you're at a cafe or an ice cream <laughs> store, they just stop and go, what's going on I, over there? I've gotten that many times. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Get into explaining gerrymandering or, or the electoral college, and they just can't figure out why it's so complicated for us. So, yeah, the minute they heard my accent, they all wanted to know what's the deal, and I'd be like, "Well, I'm working on it." You are close to your fans, and you mentioned something <laughs> earlier in this conversation about emailing and texting you. What's yes. that about? Well, I'm very excited. I have a text list. I'm going to give you my number. That's right. You heard me. I've okay. lost my mind. I'm going to give you my number. <laughs> my number is three one two five eight four. 3787. That's 312-584-3787. And it's a texting service I have where people leave me texts or I send them out a text. And, um, you know, it's a great way to connect with people, but also it's a great way to, you know, help make people aware if I'm not quite yet accepted in like a lot of the mainstream media outlets. And I have an email list, which you can just go to my website. And then, wait, what do you put it in the website? KathyGriffin.com. Alerts.KathyGriffin.com. Alerts.KathyGriffin.com. There you go. And so it doesn't cost anybody, cost me a little something, but it doesn't cost anybody anything. I'm not going to sell your data to Cambridge Analytica. I promise not selling anybody's data. But, you know, I I did learn um, a lot more about the business. And it was really great and educational learning about making this film, about learning how to take over parts of the tour and learning how to four wall and promote myself. And I'm in an age where I kind of want to learn that stuff. You know, I've been an actor for hire for a long time and now I'm really, I enjoy the business part of it as well. Show business. You're grabbing some of that power. I love it. I love it. I paid for my house cash and my good friend Susie Orman loves to tell me if you can't afford something cash, then you can't afford it. Approved. <laughs> you don't want to get denied. This is Absolutely not. Okay, listen. So before we leave here, um, hindsight they say is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So take me and give me some of that hindsight. I'll start with you, Randy. What has this taught you? Uh, like I said, I, I think it just taught me to take a beat on everything. Just not overreact, not knee jerk to things. And at the end of the day, Kathy's a comedian and she's always pushing boundaries. Her fans know that and they love about her. She's always real and raw. And it's just, you know, at the end of the day, she wants to make people laugh. You know, you did really make a, a hallmark of that. You you speak your mind. You say things that other people think. That's right. And appropriate or inappropriate you've had a you've (laughs) had a career doing that and and sometimes i've seen it in the audience i did it in this room where you've said something and people cover their faces like it's a horror movie (gasps) did she really say that but i love it more when someone comes up to me after a show and says i love that you say the things i can't say and i say well that's my job right i wish i could say that at work i go i'll say it for you i'll say it for you you're a megaphone basically for everybody's inner thoughts Hopefully. So in, in your hindsight, are you are you sorry this ever happened or yeah. has it been a learning life experience? Honestly, it has absolutely been a learning life experience. And like I said, I mean, it's been difficult, but I would not have been able to tour many of the countries where I was only known for this photo. And so now I'd like to get to a time when I can go back there and, you know, I'm not going to ever make my whole act about Trump, but I'll probably always give it a little bit of a nod because I am very aware this photo will be with me forever. And I'm aware of it. And that's part of the deal and that goes along with it. Um, In hindsight, I probably 
would have maybe had some paperwork with the photographer and found out where he was going to give it and said, no, no, I don't think TMZ is the best place. But, you know, at the time, honestly, it was this innocent photo shoot. We took a few photos before that that never saw the light of day. And, of course, this one caught people's attention. Yes, it did. All the way to the highest levels. Well, it's taking us to Kathy Griffin, A Hell of a Story, which will be in theaters for one night only with a live Q&A with Kathy on July 31st. You go to fathomevents.com. To learn more, Kathy Griffin, Randy Bick, thank you so much for joining us here on Off the Red Carpet and continued success. I think you're you're in a good path right now. Oh, thanks, George. I adore you. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everyone.